I think we were making $10,000, $15,000 in MRR when we chose to quit our jobs. Too many indie founders jump on every opportunity that they see to, that they quit their job and they say, I have six months time to turn this into a profitable business. Probably the worst idea. Hello and welcome back to Indie Bites, the podcast where I bring you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. I'm your host, James McKinvin, and I'm trying to make my own indie business work as a podcast producer and founder of a handmade leather wallet business. Today, I'm joined again by Arvid Carl, who runs the Bootstrap Founder, a podcast, newsletter, and educational resource to help founders grow successful bootstrap businesses. He's also written two books, Zero to Sold and The Embedded Entrepreneur. Arvid is a returning guest, having previously been on the show almost three years ago to talk about his exit from feedback panda which he grew to 55k mrr with his partner danielle in this episode we talk about life as a creator and solopreneur how arvid is scratching his sass itch and how people can leave their jobs to work on their side projects as expected with any chat with arvid we spoke for almost an hour where we dig further into his life as a creator and explore opportunities in 2024 for indie hackers upload the full chat on the indie bites membership that you can get access to for 60 dollars a year If you're inspired by this episode and want to write a newsletter about building in public while you figure out your SaaS, I've got just the tool for you. My long-term sponsor, Email Octopus, are perfect for starting out. They are focused on affordability with a very generous free plan and ease of use, so you can focus on shipping and growing your audience without the distraction of surplus features. So to get started, we can contact up to 2,500 subscribers without paying a penny, head to emailoctopus.com or hit the link in the show notes. We kick off this conversation with Arvid talking about exploring a new SaaS. I've been thinking a lot over the last couple of weeks, uh, getting back into building SaaS businesses, because that's where I come from, right? I built a SaaS, I sold the SaaS, I started writing, I wrote a book, and I noticed, hmm, I need a little thing, and I built a SaaS around that, and then from there came another book, because during building that SaaS, I noticed a couple of things, and I wrote about that, and I started the podcast, and now that I'm running the podcast, I'm noticing, hmm, I need a little thing, so now I'm building another SaaS for the podcast, so it's a very cyclical thing, and which is fine, right? It, it meanders between being a creator and being a an indie hacker it's just it's hard not to do this when you want to have a, a great distinction between your professional and your personal life as a solopreneur these things just they are often very much overlapping and it's hard to do this particularly when the thing you enjoy in your personal life is also the thing you enjoy in your professional life which is solving problems which is yeah. what entrepreneurs often do so it's an enjoyable but also potentially problematic life to live how do you do this like you're you're also working a lot and and then is, is your cycling are these kind of sports-based activities your way out of this a hundred percent and i've had to put a lot of time and effort into this over the years because when i left my job i then had this just unstructured time that I had to fill and I was earning money in various Mm. places and through going through the depression and burnout and trying to get to the bottom of why I couldn't do the work that I wanted to do while I was struggling in certain areas part of that for me of it was I just didn't have any structure anymore and actually I'm a person that needed that structure so having gone from wanting to leave this forced structure of a nine-to-five job realizing that freedom isn't what I want it's just doing stuff on my own terms and building my own equity that I wanted but I need to force myself into having that structured time but with caveats with flexibility and 
that flexibility for me is I have tennis on a Monday and a Friday that I have mm -hmm. slots for. And and maybe I, let me jump in here because I've I've developed something very similar over the last couple of years. Like when I started out, when uh, post twenty nineteen, early twenty twenty, just after we had sold the business and I started writing, I had no structure whatsoever. But over the years, as I've been starting to build both the SaaS businesses that I've been building and the media business that I'm consistently building throughout, I noticed that. I've been adding more and more things to my plate, right? It started just with a blog and then it became a newsletter and then it became a podcast and then it became, you know, blog, podcast, newsletter and YouTube channel. And now it's like two newsletters a week because I have two shows in, on my podcast. Like stuff just keeps adding on, which is normal for any business because you just grow. But for that, I started to need a, a routine. I needed a, a routine, a structure in my week where I could reliably create my solo thing, which is what I put out every Friday. It's just one big thought turned essay, turned video, turned podcast. So now I write on Monday. I maybe write on Tuesday. Tuesday is kind of my in-between day where I have calls with other people, where I have conversations, where I do things that are not writing specific. Wednesday is another day of writing and Thursday and Friday are my recording and publishing days. I edit on Sundays because my Sunday is effectively a completely unencumbered by anything like without that structure i would probably not do things at the right time and then my schedule would lag how is your revenue split between sponsorship book sales affiliates you've got your mm -hmm. course and uh, it's kind of seasonal right you've just had black friday cyber monday was that a nice big peak for you do you have to plan for yeah, that? yeah this month was really nice it, it's, it's not like crazy numbers nice it's not like tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars. But the fact that I wrote books like three years ago and two years ago, and they're still making me thousands of dollars around Black Friday, just, you know, that it tells you everything you need to know about the, the power of info mm -hmm. products. My podcast has been sponsored and will hopefully be sponsored by acquire.com for the foreseeable future. On the newsletter side, I'm, I'm using ConvertKit for my newsletter. They have a sponsor network as well. So I've been using that. So I would say if you want numbers, I think like it's somewhere between two and $5,000 a month in sponsorships, depending on how this goes. And that makes my mm -hmm. income for the company, like the media business, that makes it like half or 60-ish percent. The other things are, you know, the info products and affiliate links and whatever comes there as well. But, the, you know, most of it is sponsorships. How, how much runway do you have from the sale of Feedback Panda? The... Bootser Founder is the business that I'm running, the media business. That's what it's called, right? That's what the mm. blog is called, the podcast and the newsletter. It's a profitable business. Even if I ignored the money that is still there from the sale, because the sale was a life-changing amount of money. And, and that means that we had maybe not infinite runway, but decades kind of runway. So even if the business didn't make money for months or a year or so, I would still be perfectly fine. And I'm, I'm still augmenting this, right? Permanent Link, my first SaaS business that is making some money. The next thing I'm building or going to be building, that will make some money. There will be, cons I still do consulting. I do my Twitter teardown things and I have clarity calls that I offer that I, I recently just doubled in price and people still book them. What, what, why split your attention to the consultant stuff when you've got this runway your media business mm -hmm. is making money you've got the affiliates the books why do those other things is it just personal intrigue to do twitter page teardowns or consultant calls where you that's meet exactly what it is i don't want to don't want to phrase it in a weird way but i do want to stay in touch with the the people that have the problems <laughs> that i have overcome 
right? Like if, if I'm supposed yeah. to help people with their issues, I need to talk to them and learn about their issues. I don't think like I need to have massively focused passive income at all times because then what would I work on? <laughs> I, I still want to work on stuff. Like even, even though I don't need to, my, my whole life's purpose has always been solving problems. And that is the easiest way to do it. Without a doubt. I, I often think like with this freedom, I would just do fun stuff, stuff that is just fun. But ultimately, you don't get as yeah. much fulfillment out of doing the fun stuff. Yeah. You do need it, but you need to work on challenging things and push your mind and your body yes. towards things because that is where you get fulfillment and enjoyment and ultimately yeah. happiness. And that is something that I've had to figure out as someone who is just like constantly nice to myself and say, oh, J James, take it easy. Taking easy, very important, but also I need that challenge. I need to get out of my comfort zone. And talking of enjoyment for you, Arvid, I am almost stuck in this content creation hamster wheel a little bit, but I've accepted that because that's where my mm. skill set is and I know I'm really good at it. But you, on the other hand, you're doing this content stuff, but you're a software engineer. You've built a SaaS. You know how mm. to do it. And you've like resisted this itch mostly but it seems like more mm. recently you're in this cycle where maybe a SaaS is coming you're experimented with how have you kept that itch at bay and why is it sort of coming back for you now well it, it used to be kind of a, a stress memory <laughs> to, to think about it because when we were building feedback panda <laughs> there was a lot of anxiety that that i had as the technical founder of the business around keeping the thing running and keeping the product being delivered. Like we, at that point we had just call it financial instability in our lives. Like we both were working paycheck to paycheck and I certainly was also like traveling a lot for work. So there was, there was a lot of like instability on many levels. Then we built that business on top of it and we quit our jobs. And that was the only thing we had, right? The bus factor was massive. If either one of us had had a, an issue, the, the business would have crumbled. We were not diversified at all. It was a stressful time. And I, to this day, I still associate like building a SaaS business with that memory. So I I'm actively working both in, with the mindset that a SaaS business is a stressful activity compared to being a writer. So for the longest time, I kept myself from that and I was just writing and I was just doing stuff. But I recently fell into the Laravel coding world and I just found an ecosystem that was super enjoyable. And then the suppressed developer in me came back out. Right? It was like, oh yeah, we can code. We can <laughs> do this little thing. I wanted to do this anyway for a couple, a couple of years. So it's just been a little side project. And that's all I'm currently working on. It's a side project to my main business, which is still the bootstrap founder, the media business that I do, because I, first off, it monetizes itself, which is great. So there's no question if it's going to monetize itself next month, because it will, right? Either way. Yeah. I, I think it's important what you said about it being just a side project, just experimenting mm. for now. I spoke to Gilbert Pellegrum, mm. who's CTO yes. at Lemon Squeezy. And he is, as described, a side project heavyweight. He has launched all of these side projects. Some have done really well, all while having a full-time job. And I was like, Gilbert, why are you doing all these side projects? Why have you not gone in on one of them? He's like, I just enjoy them being yeah. on the side for learning. And it takes the yeah. pressure away. Like, I'm happy with the pressure for me being on this podcast, on my client work for now. And I quite like side projects being low pressure and fun. And it's like a hobby. Exactly, like a hobby. <laughs> I think that's the reason. That's that's the reason why why he likes them. Like they have more the, the character of a hobby where you don't need to monetize. You can, right? It can always be a little bit, but you you don't have to turn this into the thing mm -hmm. that pays your mortgage. 
And the moment something pays for your mortgage, your house, your life is on the line. So it's a totally different level of, of potential anxiety there. So yeah, it's awesome. Like having, having the technical chops to build side projects and keep them side projects. I think for, for any, any indie developer or any entrepreneur, that's like almost the optimal state to be in. If you have a reliable recurring revenue stream somewhere else in a job or whatnot, yeah. then those side projects, well, who knows what they're going to grow into? And you can always sell them, right? You can always like get them acquired by somebody else that might not be like six-figure, seven-figure kind of money. But hey, if you can spin it up in a couple of weeks, see if it works for a couple of months and sell it a year later, it's pretty all right. I've just realized we're maybe talking about this from a really privileged position where we've both found a way to earn our keep, earn our living and are happy with making side projects, side projects. But there are some people, a lot of people who are stuck in a job and they want to build something that does replace their income, that does grow, that they're not just experimenting with something. How, how should they approach their SaaS I tried to build several of these things on the side over the, the last uh, 10, 15 years, and most of them failed. So I, I was glad that I built them on the side because that meant that I had something else. That, that, and that, that is the trick, right? You said they're stuck in a job. That is true. Like If you are an entrepreneur and you need to get out of it at some point, it feels like you're stuck, but you also have a job. Don't forget the fact that you have something that where you can exchange your time for money in a reliable way. Right. That is, that is the secret. The secret is to have side projects while you still have the job. And the experience that I had with Feedback Panda was the same. Feedback Panda was a moonlighting project. I had a full time 40 hours a week software developer job for which I commuted often enough, couple hours. Like I got up at five in the morning. I took a train to a totally different city. I was in the office at eight and was back home at eight sometimes. Moonlighting happened on the train it happened at home I, I wrote the the thing like the basic framework for feedback panda in two weeks and we did run feedback panda for a long time while both danielle and i were still employed like i was working as a software engineer mm -hmm. she was an online english teacher i think we were making 10 15 000 in mrr when we chose to quit our jobs because we could pay our salaries and then some from that money. Too many indie founders, particularly people who haven't really been in the workforce for a long time, jump on every opportunity that they see to, that they quit their job and they say, I have six months time to turn this into a profitable business. Probably the worst idea is to force yourself to turn it into a successful business. I, I personally would recommend find either a, jo a day job or do freelancing, like find a, a couple of clients that you can do work for. It's kind of what you are doing as well. And, and, and do that on the side for as long as you possibly can until you have that, what Daniel Vassallo would call the small bet that shows all the signs of it becoming a big one. Can you see signs of growth in your side project that it is something that is worth investing more time into? Because I think a lot of people will launch things, launch things, and they're, they're at a crossroads. Do I leave my job to make this thing work? Or do I start something new and can this project move on to the next thing? Well, you, you got to measure like what the most important metric in your business is, right? The value metric, the the thing that when your customers get more of it, you should also get more of it, right? It's kind of when you when you serve somebody who makes a commission on a sale, that, that means that for every sale they have, they make more money. Well, then you should also be kind of getting more money from this customer with every sale that they make. So if you, if you can figure this metric out and you track it over time and you see it constantly, even slowly increasing, then after maybe like three, four, six months of constant growth, you should maybe play with things that could 
artificially impact that growth without you having to do anything about it. Paid advertising is an idea or an affiliate system, anything like this, right? Put in things into, into place that where other people, if they use it, also increase your own revenue. The, the idea here is to see if you can do, can you kind of growth hack it? And I don't like the word, but if you can amplify the growth of that business without you needing to necessarily be in it, and if that can be done, then you being in it on top of this is a good reason to, to get started on being full-time. Uh, you know, I end every episode on three mm. recommendations, book, podcast, Indie Hacker, and your previous recommendations were the Mum Test, Indie Hacker Pod, and Sergio Mattei. Oh boy. So book is going to be the, the SaaS playbook by Rob Walling. He released this just yeah. a couple months ago. So that's my book. Podcast. Hmm. That's an interesting one. Can, 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 I, can I do this one? Is this podcast the best one? <laughs> the one that you're currently listening to? Thanks, you know, Honestly, let, let, me, let me plug my Star Trek podcast because it's not mine, but the one that I listen to all the time. It's called The Greatest Generation. It's a it's really funny Star Trek podcast by, by two guys who are slightly embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. And Indie Hacker. Hmm. I think I'm going to go with Tony Dean this time around. Absolutely. Arvid, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Indie Bites. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Bites with Arvid. If you enjoyed this and want to hear more, there is an extra 40 minutes of this conversation available on the Indie Bites membership that you can get access to at IndieBytes.com slash membership. And with holiday season coming up, if you're looking for a gift for a loved one or yourself, one of my handmade wallets could be for you. There is a cutoff for shipping to the US. And thank you again to my awesome sponsor, Email Octopus. That's all from me. See you next week.